You are listening to SequelCast 2 and Friends, part of the Tokyo Beat Podcast Network. This is a vintage episode of SequelCast 2 and Friends. Audio quality may not be up to current standards. We apologize for the nastier audio artifacts. You're the weak one. And you'll never know love. Or friendship. After the credits roll, there's always more to tell. Especially when the video sales are doing really well. From shock treatment to Jason X to Police Academy 6. This is Sequel Cast. They are unsurpassed at following the franchise until the better end. This is Sequel Cast. And your host of Ask that I inform you that the show will now begin. Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. The Sequel Cast is a show that looks at movies in a franchise one film at a time. We're in the middle of looking at the Harry Potter films, and this time around we're taking a look at Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, the fifth film in the series. And the theme song you just heard is written and performed by Mark with the C. Check out his music at markwiththec.com, and the sequel cast is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension podcast fleet. Check out other great film and TV podcasts at battleshippretension.com. I'm Matt, with me is Thrasher. Hello! And Jersey Jason. Lousy brats. Standing there, bold as brass. So, Harry Potter, Order of the Phoenix, came out in 2005, was directed by, uh, sorry, 2007, I'm stupid. I was confused there for a moment. Yep, uh, I think it's the last one, I guess. Directed by David Yates, who did a lot of British uh, TV work before doing the Harry Potter films. So there, I'm not familiar with that much of his film work. Okay, so I realized that last episode, uh, the yes. Harry Potter and uh, the Search for More Money uh, episode that we did, uh, I, I must have come off like a complete negative crank. I'm happy to say that I loved Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Thank you. So did I. This is, so far, this is my favorite of all the, the, of all the films. Fascinating. Um, I actually would have loved to have seen a movie that just was The Order of the Phoenix. I would have mm-hmm. loved to have seen a lot more of what they were doing while Harry Potter was at school. Yeah, the uh, music in this film is by Nicholas Hooper off a budget of $150 million. This made roughly $939 million worldwide. That's good and moody, the music. Oh, yes. Um, this, this whole series, this entire series, not a single album they've made isn't just... Good. Did they do a concept album with music from the band from Gobble to Fire? No. That performed at the dance? No? Okay. We, we should make that concept album. I don't know. It remind, there's a whole like uh, genre of music where it's just... I, I forget what they call it, but it's just like Harry Potter fans. It's called, no, it's called Potter Rock. Potter Rock. I've there actually, you go. I've actually seen Harry and the Potters live. That's the name they went with? Yes. Harry and the Potters. They actually have a song... Uh, called now it's time to save Ginny, or time yeah. to save Ginny, and 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 also there's actually a guy who goes by the name MC Creature after the house elf in this movie. Hmm. Okay. Uh, of course, it's not really Potter rock; that's Potter rap, or Wizarding rock. It's it's also called Wizarding rock, and that probably is Wizarding rap. One thing that I thought was sort of surprising: this came out in 2007, and um. Worldwide, 
Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix was the second highest grossing film worldwide for 2007. But in the U.S., it was at number five for 2007. Uh, what beat it worldwide? Uh, worldwide, the film that beat it was Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, the huh. third film in that series. And in the U.S., uh, I'll just say it to save time, above it at number four was Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Number three, Transformers. Number two, Shrek the Third. And number one, Spider-Man 3. Yeah, that's right. Believe it or not, Spider-Man 3 wow. was the top-grossing film in the United States for 2007. I'm embarrassed for movies that Spider-Man number- 3 outperformed this film. Out of the number of those, I only went to see this at a midnight release. Ah, okay. Did he dress up like a wizard? I did not. Though okay. there were a lot of people in costume. I bet. Rene Drana actually dresses up like Snape. Oh, that's right. I think you mentioned that in the... Um... Harry Potter is Sorcerer's Stone episode. So, Thrasher, you mentioned you've been a bit of a negative Nancy about this series to date. In no, I haven't been a negative Nancy. I have been as I have been critical as a reasoning adult. Okay. Uh, but for what, what about Order of the Phoenix really grabbed you? Well, first, uh, Harry is not nearly as much of a passive... He, he stops being a passive protagonist. He actually stands up and goddamn does something. Uh, we're also finally seeing some real consequences to magic. We're also finally like, like for this is the f- there were five movies in, and now it seems like the characters have actually learned something from their experiences in the past four films. <laughs> like they finally learn not to trust the defense against the dark arts teacher. There's actually stuff going on that I care about, and something is actually at stake, and it doesn't seem forced, and it doesn't seem kid-friendly. And also, I'm a sucker for courtroom scenes, and I love that we get a courtroom scene very early on. You do get a courtroom scene, uh, surprisingly. I found that... Yeah, this film, I think it's really trying for something very, uh, very different. Well, oddly enough, you know what? You, the, you know, what's actually quite interesting is the director of the movie, um, uh, David Yates, he actually did a procedural on TV called The Bell. Oh, okay. It's, it's, it's basically like, I don't want to say it's like our law and order, but it kind of is. It's about their courtroom procedures. So the courtroom scenes are done really well by a professional courtroom director. <laughs> sure. I think an issue with this movie's plot in the beginning, I mean, what sort of sets off the... The story is Harry Potter is kind of getting uh, bullied by Dudley Dursley, and then I love that that image. The first image we get in the film is just this mundane, semi-run-down tract housing with empty fields and a shitty uh, playground. Fucking gloomy. It is gloomy. I don't have a problem with that seeing how it looks, but it's just that a uh, and a mentor is attacking him, so he uses mu- uh, magic. I almost said music. And he should use the power of rock. He uses a Patronus charm, yes. Yes, a Patronus charm. And then he gets brought up on charges. It's not like he did the spell in the middle of a shopping mall or well, something. Well, this, this is well, okay. This is this is one of the things that I am, am going to be uh, critical of, and this again touches on the notion that we don't really have any rules for how magic works. So Harry Potter, yes, cast magic to protect himself and and the and Dursley from uh, from from a mo- um, two monsters, and he's and he's brought up on charges. It seems completely immaterial. How does anyone know that that happened? 
And like they, the, the and ministry to... clearly knows that happens, but no one knows that there are dementors there, and nobody's asking questions. Under 16s, that means the kids who are in school, are they're given a tracker. Again, if you had read the book like I had, they have a tracker, which basically pings whenever they use magic outside of school. The only place they're allowed to use magic is outside of school, even though we do see the Weasley kids use it at home. Well, that's, well, that's another thing. Is like Harry Potter's used magic with the in, uh, outside of Hogwarts in every film except the previous one, and there's never been any consequence. Well, this one comes into questions like, oh, well, he attacked a uh, human, Dudley, but it wasn't Dudley who attacked it. He was a it was a Dementor. Yeah, they basically say that he's using his magic to uh, terrorize Weasley. But again, it's all because of the, the powers that are in play right now wanting to get him out of Hogwarts. Because the only places he's really safe are at the Dursleys, for a reason I don't want to go into, and, and Hogwarts. But uh, although this also does kind of go back into my thing that I really feel like the Dursleys are right to despise magic. Because what happens in this film, it appears to give their son post-traumatic stress disorder or possibly brain damage. No, here's what a Dementor does. A Dementor makes you feel terrible. It basically sucks all the joy out of you. It does make you go like white as a ghoul because you are li- you have to live your most traumatic experience. Which again, I wonder for him. It it probably involves Harry Potter using magic, or it might be the reason why he's a bully. There might actually be something that's in his past about him being abused or or hurt by an older child or something like that, or where he felt weak, which is why he strikes out against others, well, like that's... all bullies. Well, that's another thing in in the, in this film. Like, you know, they make such a big deal about Harry using magic off of school grounds, and then how do they inform him he's he's been expelled from Hogwarts? <laughs> yeah. They send a screaming living envelope into his house in maybe, front of the Dursleys. Maybe it's because he's out in public. I don't know. I mean, because you remember in the second movie, the Chamber of Secrets, they all get yelled at for doing a magic car in broad daylight. Well, well, that's the thing is like they make a big deal about how they're trying to keep magic secret, but absolutely no one in this movie keeps magic secret. Like when Harry's brought to the Order of Fe- the Phoenix, how do they get there? They don't teleport. They don't take a car. They got rooms. They goddamn fly yeah. over London, one of the most heavily populated cities in the world. That is uh, true, but you're right, Thrasher. When they get to the the sort of courtroom scene, as it were, that's really gripping. I would have liked to see more of that actually. Well, remember also that's the same kind of courtroom that had been in the Barty Cra- in the episode, uh, or I'm sorry, episode in the last movie with the uh, the pensive and the in memory of Barty Crouch Jr. You're right. Yeah. We've seen what their courtrooms are like. We've seen how they they deal with it. It's very much it's a very British system. I think it's one of the other reasons I like it. Like, it, it, I, I, I immediately flash back to all of these British dramas I've seen with, like, you know, elaborate depictions of British court procedure well, and all, all Monty Python sketches with against him. And they're all wearing wigs and flowing gowns. My lord! I've always wanted to call a judge in America my lord, but I know I get contempt. <laughs> it's my lord. My lord. You, my lord, not the other my lord, my lord. Well, I think that Imelda Staunton is just uh, fantastic as Dolores Umbridge. Oh, she is, she is every person I hate. She fit the actual, she fit the idea so well. Like, when I was reading the book, yeah. and I saw the person that I chose, I actually had somebody different in mind. Um, the Don head French? of Hufflepuff. Uh, no, not Don French. The head of Hufflepuff. Um, Hufflepuff. 
I said I can't remember her name. She does the um, uh, the plantology classes, the plant uh, astrology. No, no, no. She does plants and herbs and oh, herbalism, herbology. Yeah, herbology. Yeah, the teacher who's in that. I've seen her in other things. She actually would have made a great umbrage, but she was already playing a character. The the woman they got though, oh, so just because of her how cheery she's able to make everything, but then she's oh, just awful. She's like wearing all this pink, and her hair is like she looks like she looks like she's one of those like really nice people who talks shit behind everybody's back, yeah. and then she's that kind of person who will like she'll uh, she'll overtake a, a parent teacher association. She, she's a little tyrant. Oh, exactly. Oh. Well, no, it's funny. Uh, my uh, my girlfriend Sarah uh, used to have a supervisor in her old job, uh, and uh, apparently this character is exactly like that supervisor. And that supervisor, Jason, does everything you just described. It's one of the re- that's the the primary reason why she left that job and, and got a transfer. So again, strong character. Well, oh, yes. she was terrible in the book. I love her in the movie. And I, there's a really neat montage later in the film where it goes with all these different um, headlines in the newspaper with uh, uh, sort of animated photographs. Well, this is a very montage-heavy film. Uh, oh, yeah, you get kind of like the Rocky I, montage I, of uh, Harry Potter. We don't, we don't need to see a scene of him reading the paper and then somebody reading it out loud. I like it a whole lot better that we're showing these things happening over mm-hmm. time. I mean, Although there is so much text on those pages going so many different directions, it is sometimes hard to know exactly what you're supposed to be reading. I think that's the point. Ah, I mean, they overwhelm you with too much information so that you can't see the truth and the lies. Exactly. Well, that becomes it's just like question. our modern media hellscape. That becomes the question. The last one Harry Potter saw Voldemort come back, he's now telling everybody Voldemort's back and nobody wants to believe him. Because the implications of having such a powerful wizard who's also insane and killy out there. But I also love that, that whole that, – that those scene transitions, those montages with all of uh, Umbridge's rules being nailed to the stone walls. Oh, yeah. And again, that wall comes into play later. Yep. Hmm. What's something about the film that you enjoyed, Jason? Oh, my God. Serious Black in this? Yes. Uh, Gary Oldman. Black. Yeah. Oh God, Gary Oldman is so good, and you feel so connected. He's like, because he's that kind of he's that cool uncle who really cares about. Well, he's the Godfather, but he has that kind of demeanor. It's like your father meant so much to me. I see him in your face. How can I be anything but your best friend? Mm. I will. I will take care of you because of my promise to your father. And and just he's such a good actor that you feel the warmth, even though he is a scary fucker, the warmth <laughs> he exudes to Harry. Just the, the emotions in this movie also are very well produced. They're acted very well. The characters are funny and exude happiness and also kind of a the, the want to entertain kind of like um, uh, Tonks. I mean, Tonks is funny, but you also kind of feel there's 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 a suffering there. But oh God, and Matt, and the real Mad Eye Moody is back in this. Yeah, and, finally, and I like yes. Shacklebolt. I like the guy playing Shacklebolt. He's just he's this big jovial guy. But at the same time, they're fighting against Death Eaters when nobody else believes them. They're the A Team. 
They're the okay. issues I talk about. Well, okay, what what are the Death Eaters? Because they always talk about them, but I never get any sense of exactly what that means. They're basically wizards who also believe in uh, purity of the blood, believe that the like mudbloods and stuff are th- uh, thieves of magic, that every other race should bow down to their power. Uh, elves, uh, a centaur. So they're, so they're the Sith from Star Wars. They're kind of, yeah, they're kind of Sithy. Um, they're also, they're, they're a bit Ku Klux Klan-y. I mean, they wear masks. They don't want their identities right. to be public. Because Although they, they do have badass tattoos that everyone yeah. can see. <laughs> no, not everybody can see. Usually they're, they're hidden. I mean, they're not naked. They're not, like, you don't see, you Although. don't see um, mm, slash fiction. <laughs> Don't see. Um, oh, sorry. The Death uh, Eater was eating more than death that night. Oh God! <laughs> Time to make the donuts. <laughs> you don't see a lot of wizards with short sleeves in this movie, okay? <laughs> How convenient. Yes. I think the mask that the Death Eaters wear reminds me of what you see in Eyes Wide Shut. Hmm. Yeah, but theirs are much more ornate. The actual masks. Oh, oh that's mask- fair. The propage in these movies is just so amazing. And the costuming. The Death Eaters, they look like... It's hard to tell a Death Eater apart from a Dementor, except the Dementor is more see-through. Mm-hmm. And I think that confused me a little bit in some of the movies. I wasn't sure if it was Dementors, but then you see them walking, you don't see them flying. And yet they can fly. They do a really awesome flying effect that makes them look like the smoke monster from Lost. Do you think there's too many montages in the movie? No. No, they're they're well executed and they serve a purpose within within the story. I think they they work. the 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 direction in this film is very tight. Why don't you explain what the Order of the Phoenix is, Thrasher? Well, as near as I can tell, the Order of the Phoenix is an association of of uh, wizards and witches who knew Harry's parents that uh, that came that came together. To be prepared in case Voldemort came back. Wrong. Then why? Okay, then what is it there for? The Order of the Phoenix was a group of uh, wizards who, while Voldemort was still alive, were actually fighting against him. They were uh, they were not just the police, but they were well educated, smart wizards who banded together like a cabal against the Death Eaters and against Voldemort. The problem is, is they were also being hunted because, again, they were kind of like freedom fighters. So they existed before. When Voldemort was killed and all the, uh, all the Death Eaters felt weakened and were taken unawares by others in the resistance um, or by the, those in the defense of the Wizarding World, they either hid that they had ever been or they made deals to get out of jail time and a lot were locked away. So it was this group that really helped to try and keep wizards safe and were fighting the, the Death Eaters at that time. But, of course, then Harry Potter's parents died and Harry Potter's mother's spell basically killed Voldemort. And they basically went back to their lives and nobody ever knew that they themselves had been this cabal um, except for those they fought who are now in prison. And they now exist today. Because they, for whatever reason, uh, or uh, well, for the reason of saving the world, 
they have to come back together. No matter what life they're in now, they come back together because they believe that Harry Potter is telling the truth, that their old enemy has, got, has come back. That's why I want to see a, an Order of the Phoenix movie. Mm, right. Okay. The original Order of the Phoenix. Yes. Gotcha. I got a bit of a Justice League vibe for some reason. That's a bit of that. Is Sirius Black Batman? If, if the, the <laughs> Justice League, if the Justice League kept Alfred as a slave. Oh, jeez. Oh, Look at they've got a house elf who is a goddamn slave, and like I feel like. I guess like what that's one thing is like Harry has an opportunity to be to be a hero by getting that house elf free, but I guess that half elf is mildly a jerk, so he deserves to be a slave or something. No, it's uh, again in the book, Hermione is totally against house slaves and tries to free them, but they've been a part of the Wizarding World for so long, and a lot of house elves don't want to be freed. It's and the house elves are more important to the books, aren't they? Oh my yeah. gosh, you know what we need to do? We need to do Dobby Unchained. But Jason, how are the house elves more important in the book? Because my wife kept on going on about how it's something they skip a lot in the films. Weather well, Tokyo Fresh Podcast. I'm David. I'm Jordan. We're a comedy lifestyle podcast diving into the weird and interesting side of Japan. We often share stories about our lives in Japan, you know, and how you can avoid making the same mistakes. So if you want to take advice from two idiots who have been living here far too long, check out the Tokyo Fresh Podcast. Only on the Tokyo Beat Network. Because of certain things that are that are really don't need to be in the movies. Um, there's there's Hamoni's uh She's trying to create a society to uh, free house elves. She never had a house elf growing up. The Weasleys don't have a house elf. But it's all these rich wizards who have these servants that they don't have to pay and that are okay with being kicked around. For those, of course, who do mistreat them. There are some that are kept in... uh, They're kept working, but at the same time, they're not... Even though they're super powerful, it seems... They, they have no will to be free because nobody's shown them that they can be, which is why uh, Dobby is so important to the entire series. Well said. I mean, I, I know when I watched all the films, I got very confused later on where there's a whole lot of Hell Cell stuff in the last two films. That in the films, you know, kind of comes out of nowhere because... Well, again, creature is important in this one because creature himself is is an item of the house. He yes. comes to the house. He is. It's like little. Logan's run. He's the furniture. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I like Logan's run. <laughs> yeah, because again, creature he's important because, of course, Sirius Black has a will, and Harry Potter is like named like everything that is serious black because really serious black he's got his cousin and that's about it most of the black clan has died off except for him uh, a cousin and i think he's got a brother who disappeared who we learn about later on but he's the only he's the only black that we like be careful what you just said <laughs> Uh, Michael, I blew myself. <laughs> Out of context theater. All right. Um, let's take a little break now to talk about SequelCast.com. And you can go there to check out 
past episodes of the sequel cast. If you'd like to support the show, you can donate via PayPal at sequelcast.com slash donate. Uh, we're also an Amazon affiliate. And if you look on the right side of the page, we have links to Amazon instant video rentals of the films we're talking about on the show, usually for like $1.99 or two ninety nine a piece. Pretty great price for a streaming rental. You can hear SequelCast also on Stitcher Smart Radio, which is an app that lets you listen to podcasts streaming on the go. Get the app at stitcher.com slash SequelCast, and you get SequelCast uh, added as one of your favorite shows, which, of course, why wouldn't it be? And you can check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash SequelCast. Now, I think, you know, I've memor- I can do that whole uh, plug stuff blind, I think, now. I've been doing it for over 100 episodes. Uh, back to Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Okay, you know what character I loved? Who? Uh, Luna Lovegood. Although, with <laughs> yeah. that kind of name, she only has one career option, and that's to be the woman that James Bond fucks and then forgets. <laughs> well, she's kind of a character that's like if Harry Potter was a uh, if a Harry Potter nerd joined the films. Yeah, but I find her so endearing and, and so so sort of ch- charmingly awkward and overwhelmed. I, I she 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 had a kind of I don't she was she was just she was just a character that I liked, and you know I liked that she can see she can see monsters that no one else can see. But she's not overwhelmed. She just she like it's like everything just oh it's just apparent oh okay. Well no no I uh, like the reading I got from her is that she's just exhausted. Because what? of the things she's constantly exposed to. Yeah, I see. I just thought it was like, oh, she just goes through it because, like, well, that's how things are. It's kind of good that it happened because this and this and this. Well, uh, that's interesting. But I've got other things to do. She's not plus. I think one of my favorite scenes in in the film is uh, Snape instructs Harry Potter on uh, occlumency to block his mind from Voldemort's like. Spell is trying to read Harry Potter's minds. Yeah, and, uh, it's a it's like but his fifth year at Hogwarts, and now they bother teaching him spells to protect his mind. No, because Voldemort, he's got the connection to Voldemort, makes it even easier. The thing is, like, oh, Voldemort's dead. We don't have to worry about that. Except now he's shouldn't, not. But no, but just in principle, if you're learning defense against the dark arts, shouldn't protecting yourselves from dark influences be one of the first things you learn? Maybe Especially after the second film featured a crooked wizard who was erasing people's minds? Maybe that's in your syllabus, but it's not in his. Well, you know what? Because I went to a real university. I went to Unseen University. I didn't go to Hogwarts, or as we called it, Clown College. <laughs> but the, the, I like the very brief flashback scene where Harry Potter flips the spell on Snape, and you get to see that Harry Potter's father bullied Snape ass. as a student. It was kind of an asshole yeah. to Snape. Wanted to take off Snape's trousers while he was floating around in midair. Yeah, I did like that moment. I like that kind of connection that we got between Harry and Snape at that moment. But I, I also like that Harry sees that his parents were human, and or at least his father was human and had his faults. Yeah, because you get so little information about his parents, except in the very, very brief, you know, scenes of them getting killed from the first film, and when they were ghosts in the well, fourth film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Protecting them. That's uh, that's true. Well, also, if I'm not mistaken, I believe James is a pure blood. Uh, James came from um, well, well, he came from the Potter line, uh, and that leads back to possibly the three brothers and the Paravel. But uh, James Potter himself 
married Lily, who was a mudblood. I was not crazy about the whole sort of subplot with um, Hagrid having a big giant. A big giant? Oh, <laughs> Wait, you yeah. like his brother? His half-brother. Half-brother. The half-brother. No, no, I just thought the effect was kind of lousy. I didn't mind the effect, but it did seem to, like... I kind of like Hagrid being tall, but now there's no... Well, now he's part giant, so now there's an explanation for why he's tall. It can't just be something about him. Um, and, like, I guess I, 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 I wanted that giant kid to be introduced earlier and you know he introduces him to Harry and the gang because he needs someone to take care of to take keep him company we never see them keeping company with the giant no he's just conveniently there to whisk away the um umbridge the umbridge right very good which who I presume who I presume was uh, sexually assaulted and then murdered by the centaurs <laughs> no because we see her later do we yeah, I'm not going to ruin it for you, but we do see her later. Oh, okay. But now, again, going back to Umbridge, yeah, she does a ter- some terrible things. That that cursed quill thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, right that was dark. And that like, was- I almost, like, it's so dark, I almost wonder why does anyone go through with it. But also, how does that not immediately get her fired? Oh, no, because that is a thing. That's a thing, like, in in, in British schools. I don't know if you had to do this. I definitely didn't. If there are any of our British uh, uh, listeners uh, doing lines, we'd have to write the same thing over and over again. We have it in America where you do it on the chalkboard. They would have to do it in books and write. Oh no! Over and over the, again. the lines I totally get. It's that a cursed pen that cuts uh, cuts you. That's what I don't understand. That, that's how does that not get her fired? That looks like the kind of dark art you'd want to be defended against. Sure. Well, and her whole bit is teaching the defense class without using magic spells. It's like, oh, every, like you yeah. know, she—that's a big theme of the, the film—is that she censors. She kind of becomes in charge and censors everything at the school, and you gotta, you get all the announcements throughout the film. And we seem to get. They also got some commentary on uh, standardized testing and the uh, the pitfalls <laughs> of reliance well, on owl, academics. The, the owl exams, like, are a much bigger part of the book. Yeah. I mean, they go into depth on the Al exam. Are they like SATs, or I didn't quite uh, get what uh, they were. They're kind of like they're called o- OLs or something in, yes. in England. It's OWL um, in the Harry Potter world, but they have something else. Ah, uh, they have something else in England. Well, they might be AWL. No, they have something like our SATs, but O levels. O levels, yes. Yeah, and I've never understood how that works, but. In the movie, though, it has the coolest thing. It's just a whole bunch of people taking an exam, and then the, Wes- the Weasley twins, twins do the oh, they do the coolest thing to mess with Umbridge. Uh, they set off fireworks inside, and she can't defend against them again. Magic and limits. She's unable to defend against fireworks <laughs> that like, construct a giant dragon that chases her down the hallway yeah. before exploding and destroying all of those stupid. Stupid ass sensory rules that she has up on the uh, that she has up on the wall, man. Oh, uh, that was a fun scene. Seeing her actually like like deal with like uh, PDAs. I love when she sees the two wizard uh, two uh, students kissing and actually pulls them apart using magic. Oh, <laughs> it's so oh god the 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 amount of control she gives, especially when she runs Dumbledore out. Like they actually she she's put there because 
the the ministry uh, the minister for magic Cornelius Fudge believes that that Dumbledore is trying to grow an army to take him out and to to control the ministry, which would be fine. I would love it if Dumbledore was in charge of the of the uh, of the ministry for magic, but he then is accused and says. Well, of course it was me. Harry just did it because he's one of my favorite students and such. And he grabs his phoenix and explodes in fire. Apparently the phoenix was a port key. Yes. Yeah. Why not? But no, I like that he I like the way he covers for Harry and just the you know the trouble they both get into. But I love I but I love that Harry, you know, when when Harry gets fed up with uh with Umbridge he starts a secret. He starts. He and other wizards get together to start secretly training in defensive magic. He's subversive. Which, although it's, it's, there's also a part of me that kind of wonders why haven't we seen them like actually practicing magic before? Like this seems like something that they would have been doing otherwise. Wait, we have. Let well, I mean, this kind of dedication. I mean, I guess, you know, I guess the opposition helps, but I, you know, I just, I love that, the, I love that whole, that they, they start their, their defensive magic club that grows into Dumbledore's army. Yeah, and, and the, the first uh, spell to learn is the Patronus charm against the Dementors, which Harry fucking hates. Yep. And, and they get to see what each of their, like, oh, each of the spells. Oh, so cool. And seeing that Luna's is like, what was Luna's? Was a rabbit? Was a rabbit. Yeah, a rabbit that hops around. <laughs> are, but we've never really seen Harry Potter's Patronus, like, in full form. Which annoys me. Like, I, 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 every time I read about it in the book, it just sounded so amazing. Just a large stag with massive antlers. Just like his father. I always found that to be so interesting. I think the, I really like the end of the, the film where it's the big um, action scene between all the different wizards. In the ministry. In the ministry. It's, uh, yeah, we finally get to see what magic does in a combat situation. Yeah, it's uh, it's well shot. There's a lot of different things going on. And pretty exciting. And you get Sirius Black gets killed. And you get, you, get you know, a, a new member of the bad guys joins up, uh, gets broken out of um, Azkaban. Helena Bottom Carter playing Bellatrix Lestrange. That is an amazing name. Yes. And, uh... I mean, Bellatrix is insane, but she's also supposedly one of the Lord Voldemort's most loyal Death Eaters. Mm-hmm. And I just like how she kind of goes like, I killed Sirius Black, and kind of skips away. Because she's totally leading Harry Potter into a trap. Oh, she yeah. Because insane. But she also is like, she's not afraid of death because she's like, oh, well, I've got the Dark Lord on my side. She's also insane because she's been in the prison for so long. I was so upset, though, that we didn't get to see David Tennant come back and kick a little ass. Mm. I mean, I'm sure he was too busy filming Doctor Who at the time, but <laughs> is his is his character in this scene in the book? No. There are only a few... I'm, I'm trying to remember how many there actually were. Because there was, like, a member of the Death Eaters for every member of the Order of the Phoenix. I'm trying to remember if the werewolf was in that. I don't think so. Oh, but the um. Uh, so what? What was up with with the the prophecy? Because I felt like a lot of rules were only half explained. Like apparently, only the person that a prophecy is about can retrieve it, but you can still give it to somebody or take it from them. Or it's a MacGuffin. 
neither can live while the other survives. No, no, I, I get that, it's, but but the, what's that that line where only the person the prophecy is about can retrieve it? Yeah, I don't think that's true. I, that's that. It's really weird in the book as well. It makes more sense in the book. It's the idea that that only the person. It, I think it's not. I don't think it's like a real like rule rule, but I think it's a rule like for them. Like you can't get your own prophecy. You can't get your own book. You can only no, no, let me see, let me put this in the right words. You can only check out a book from the library if it's the book that's about you or the person who wrote it. That's a really shitty library. But the prophecy itself, I think, could be retrieved by anybody. I just think the actual like channels that you would have to go through and all the paperwork would be like only you and the person who did it could ever look at it. Oh, that's a lot of prophecies. Like We see so many prophecies destroyed. I really wondered what kind of information was being lost. Well, that's 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 the thing. Is like when you have a divinations teacher like Sybil Trelawney, played by Emma Thompson, really strange in the movie, but I think did an admirable job. When you have a a, a seer, a divination, a, a diviner, most of the stuff that's going to come out of their mouth, it's going to be you won't be able to divi- you won't be able to divine what the heck it means. Well, yes, the future is a slippery fish, but. Like I guess that's like why I guess prophecies turn into little ball things now. No, they're the smoke inside the balls. Like okay, memory, okay. They're, like, they're like bits of pensive. They're like bits of memory, like the pensive. So, so, oh yeah, that was another thing. Dumbledore pulling stuff out of his brain. What the hell is that about? <laughs> they're just they're, they're little like uh, captures of his memory. They're gifts. I know it, it seems like something sinister is going on every time he does that. <laughs> well, they're like this. Yeah, it is. It's a weird thing. It's like taking a living memory. What I, what I like to actually think of it is, it's not him losing the memory in his head or actually taking it out. It's him duplicating it on the tip of his wand, like an elixir, and just dropping it into a bottle. Into a, the because I think you can make duplicates as well. That's the other thing. Oh, see, again, that's why uh, Sybil Trelawney is there at Hogwarts. She's safe there. They could easily get the prophecy from her mind because she has the memory of it. Yeah, although she is kicked off of campus in this film. Yes, which in the book it doesn't happen. She actually gets um, she gets allowed to stay with um, uh, Professor oh, Maggie Smith. Oh, I'm sorry, no. <laughs> McGonagall? Maggie Smith, yes, is Minerva McGonagall. Who, um, every time I hear that name, all I can think of is McGarnacle, the detective <laughs> who solves mysteries in his spare time. And again, Maggie Smith, always wonderful in this, and like, you know what? Even though you're in charge, um, fuck you, I'm gonna take in, I'm gonna take in Sybil. Because the other thing is that she has to be protected. If she'd been kicked off of campus, she would have been fair game, which I also think was um, uh, was uh, Dolores's plan, well, Umbridge's plan. Even though at the time she's not really an ally to um, she, she's, she doesn't believe that Voldemort exists. Uh-huh. She's not an ally of Voldemort at this point. I believe that much. But so you know, like at, at the end of this movie, Harry shows that he's actually learned something when he constructs a protective spell that forces Voldemort out of his mind. True. And there's that whole darkness of could he become like Voldemort? Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of Return of the Jedi, where um, 
Bellatrix is, you know, egging him on to, to kill her and stuff. But again, Harry's got something to... So he's got something that Voldemort doesn't have. People to fight for. People that he loves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what does it. It's not so much the... the um, uh, the Occlumancy, the, oh, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not the Occlumancy or whatever. It's absolutely... Um, the love that Harry feels for his friends. Well, and the yeah. sadness over Sirius' death. Sure. Um, so I think we've done a pretty good job here discussing Harry Potter and Order of the Phoenix. Let's give it a rating out of five stars. I think I'd give it um, three and a half stars. I like this one a little bit less than the last one, Goblet of Fire. But I think the court stuff is really riveting. I would have liked to have seen... Uh, more of that in the film, and a little bit like Goblet of Fire, too. It feels like this is sort of connecting the dots. It is obviously building up to something much bigger, and this one kind of the, the army is formed, and you want to see where it goes to go against Voldemort in the later films. Uh, Thrasher? I am... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and have to give this a, uh, a, a four out of five. I really enjoyed this movie. It is still my favorite of all the Harry Potter films I've seen. I've seen thus far. You know, keeping in mind I have not seen. I'm watching these now as I go. Um, there, there just there are just a handful of a very small handful of gaps in, in the movie, which is is why it's not getting that full five stars as much as I liked it. And Jason, visually five out of five, but story wise. I thought it was a stronger story. I'm going to go four, but I would have loved to have seen more Order of the Phoenix. And okay. I'd actually would like to see more training in the rumor requirement. Uh, <laughs> next is pitch a sequel, in which we pretend no sequels were made to this. I'll begin. I think in this one you show the Dumbledore's army is, uh, is getting started. But there's a new uh, a new student coming to Hogwarts. He's young and promising, much like Harry Potter was when he started. And it'd be about Harry Potter, um, kind of the older teenager Harry Potter, mentoring a younger student that looks like um, that's a bit like he was when he first entered the school. And the plot twist is this younger student, after all, is uh, a, a incarnation of Voldemort in a disguise. Wanting to spy on Harry Potter, get his secrets, kind of learn what makes him tick. Oh, God, that's dumb. I bet, isn't it? Yeah, it sounds <laughs> stupid, doesn't it? And it would be called Harry Potter and the uh, and the Wee Magician. Oh, <laughs> you made it worse! <laughs> I, I've, got a, I've got a worse title. Oh, what's the worst title, Thrasher? <laughs> Harry Potter, When the Dumble Hits the Door. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Don't I double in- you guys to come up with a movie worthy of that title. Don't double into the door on your way out. Oh, okay. Well, uh, secrets we found out about Dumbledore. Don't let the Dumbledore hit you in the ass. Now I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> uh, Jason, what's your pitch of sequel? Oh, God. After that one. Um, frankly, mine would be uh, Order of the Phoenix. Uh, what was this? Five? Is the fifth book? Hey, this is five, yeah. So 5.5. I do a series of webisodes uh, that just focus on the Order of the Phoenix. The original Order of the Phoenix. No, no, well, no, oh, this no. one. Oh, and of course, you have the you have the opportunity for flashbacks. Mm-hmm. They talk 
uh, the first time they tackled uh, Belichick or whatnot, or right. even one of those episodes could be a journey through that gray door. Maybe somebody else goes in to try and rescue Sirius Black, goes in on their own, and then we're, sees we're, what. That door's going to come back, right? Nope. Ah! Oh! Thrasher, what's your pitch? A sequel. Oh, wait. Uh, oh. Jason, what would you call yours? Just 5.5? 5? Uh, I would call mine uh, Phoenix Orders. Okay, not Harry Potter. No, wait, no, no, I would call it Order of the Phoenix Ghost Protocol. <laughs> Very good. Thrasher. Okay, so mine uh, is going to be, uh, so, you know, Harry Potter and, you know, the, the members of Dumbledore's army that were able to, to, to have that fight in the Ministry of Magic, they, be, they, become, they become the last thing the Ministry of Magic wants to deal with, heroes. That core group of Dumbledore's army becomes a real cult of personality and starts gathering followers and people that want to train under them. And, you know, Hogwarts is, Hogwarts is trying to keep them under control. But, you know, Harry's really itching now. He wants to take the fight to Voldemort. And the problem is it creates a real, uh, creates a real three-way tension because the D- Dumbledore's army and, and by extension Hogwarts itself becomes such a force – that the ministry becomes worried that it's going to become a threat to them. So uh, at the uh, at the uh, climax of the movie, uh, it becomes all-out war between the ministry and Hogwarts. Hogwarts becomes besieged by the ministry, uh, uh, and it turns and then it turns out all too late that uh, Voldemort and some of his lackeys are inside the besieged Hogwarts. So Harry has to keep the Ministry from destroying Hogwarts, but also broker a peace between the Ministry and Hogwarts, but then also deal with Voldemort. And uh, and uh, we'll call uh, we'll call this uh, uh, Harry Harry Potter uh, Harry Potter and the Endless Wall because it turns out that the walls of Hogwarts are magical and can make themselves endless, expanding and contracting uh, to fit the needs of the campus. And that becomes a key so plot. bigger on the inside? Uh, it, it can, it can, when the wall changes, the interior and exterior space changes. Cool. And in fact, that's what they do. The wall grows to the point where it absorbs the Ministry of Magic, and then Harry and the Ministry join forces to defeat Voldemort. Very neat. Those are all fun, uh, fun picture sequels. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. So now we're going to move on to sequel news, talk about news about current um, movie sequels that are going to come out. Uh, right, right now I'm just going to say I have none. I'm, I'm you have none? I okay. myself out on, on well, sequel news. Again, we got Hangover 3 coming out. Yeah, I think that looks... Uh, talk about those movies. We can talk about that briefly. That sounds good. Um, I want to see Hanover 3. I, I'm not sure if I'll catch it this Memorial Day weekend, but I might try. My wife and I both want to see that. I, um, you know, I rewatched Hanover 2 recently, and, I, and I'm kind of mixed feelings about it. I don't think it's as funny as the first one. Hmm. It's kind of hard to duplicate it. Uh-huh, and it's set in Thailand, so that makes it less, I guess, familiar than Las Vegas, I guess. But now uh, I'm excited for Hanover 3 because I've been to Las Vegas now. So I hope to recognize some of the stuff in the film. Like, what's that Nicolas Cage movie? Bangkok Dangerous? Yes. I think that was it, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yep. Nicolas Cage. Watch those at the same time as Hangover Part 2. Parallel. Do you get a secret message? Yes. Oh! Oh! Uh, Anchorman 2! Yeah. Go no, watch yeah. the people. Anchorman 2. Happy Easter. 
Yeah, it's uh these trailers are you know they don't even show any footage from the movie. It looks like it looks like they all were. It looks like it was filmed at the same time as that teaser trailer um, a few months back. And I mean, people love these characters from uh, from Anchorman One. I, is the sequel? It's not until next year, right? Uh, no, it's or is it this year. Uh, it's supposed like, to be December twentieth. Oh, that's a weird time to come out with a comedy. Yeah. December, okay. Again, big Christmas movie. Eh? Eh? I got cowboy Polar. programming. It's got Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, Harrison Ford as a small part. Yep. Yeah, really crazy. We got Hunger Games, the second one in this series. Sure. I think one thing I want to talk about briefly, I know we're a little bit running for time here. Mm. Is did you see the new Man of Steel trailer? Mm, I think I did. It's a bit more action focused. Is this one where they show more of um a Jorel? It shows a little bit of Jorel, it shows of um the bad guy in it. Spoilers if you don't want to hear it, is Zod. Yeah. And they show him in the trailer. Of course, they haven't featured him that much in the marketing yet. So, Oh, guys. Oh, and I just remembered there's another one that we have to cover. Like, the day it comes out, we need to cover it. Riddick. Oh, yeah. I, I've oh, always wondered Riddick. how we should deal with that because, you know, we covered the Riddick stuff quite a while back, but then with the numbering for sequel cast, how does that work? Do we call it, like... Episode sixty nine point one or whatever. It could be a special bu- 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 bonus. Well, I don't want to call it a bonus. I, I think it would just, just be continued with the normal numbering. Then, huh? It'd just be yeah. It would just be like a return to whatever fucked up planetary system that is. Right. Okay, that works. But no, that that new Riddick. It looks more like Pitch Black. It's pretty exciting. Mm. It looks very much like. Pitch Black. Yes. yes, actually it does. Shockingly enough, I feel like it's trying to give us Pitch Black all over again. Oh, that's a good title. Pitch Black all over again? Yeah. Get Pitch Black all over again. <laughs> Just like The Hangover. Get hanged over again. Prepare to get Pitch Slapped. <laughs> oh, that's very good. So for more sort of sequel news, you can check out the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Sequel cast. Now we're going on to uh, what you're watching. Um, I've been watching some more Arrested Development to get caught up on it for the new season. Oh, such a good show. Yeah, it's uh, you, you got to really pay attention to it, unlike a lot of sitcoms, because there's a lot of characters, a lot of different plot lines going on. <laughs> Have you seen the thing on the internet? Uh, it's a YouTube video and a website called Insert Me Anywhere. Yes. Where it's... Uh, David Cross as a Tobias, it's his like audition reel of him doing things against a green screen, and people on YouTube have been putting it into different clips, and that's the whole point of it. Oh. And he's like, insert me anywhere. I think you're going to be surprised at some of your phrasing. That's how he phrases <laughs> it in the trailer. I don't understand the question, and I won't respond to it. <laughs> I just blew myself. Even if it means me taking a chubby, I will suck it up. <laughs> Tobias, you blow hard. <laughs> well, that was a freebie. And hey, new episodes of that are going to show up. Yep, pretty soon in the uh, end of uh, May. If you understand our secret fan code. Mm-hmm. If, we talk, if we could cover sequels to shows. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been watching anything, uh, Jason? Uh, again, with no TV, it's very hard for me to do that. Uh, Doctor Who. Uh, just saw the sure. season finale, waiting for the 50th anniversary. How was the season finale? Pretty good? 
Oh, so heartbreaking. And also interesting. And I called it. That's right. You Although mentioned I that believe we already covered last this last episode. Uh, last week. Remember last week? Yeah, that's right. When we talked about Goblet of Fire. Yes. Uh, anything new for you, Thrasher? Uh, yes, I've been reading uh, Volume 9 of the Collected Savage Swords of Conan, and this is when the series really started to lose its footing. So is this the colorized uh, reprints of the Marvel stuff? Uh, it's it's the reprints of the Marvel stuff from Savage Sword of Conan, but nothing has been colorized. It's still the original black and white artwork. Oh, was it black and white? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so why did it start to go off the rails? Well, they start to lose the characterization. The storytelling becomes really sloppy. Uh, it's like the 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 feeling I get is that on, is that they're ju- is that they're just not trying, and no one in the process is really trying for most of these stories. Uh, you know, to, to the point where I even feel like like the editorial staff doesn't even care about making sure that the right people are working on the Conan uh, comics. You know, they they like they just yeah. they introduce old friends of Conan's who you've never seen before, and they don't bother establishing the friendship. And then st- they're like, you know, like like the the, the story I'm reading now, uh, Con- a, a good fr- a good friend of Conan's we've never seen before gets betrayed, and Conan vows revenge, but he never gets revenge. the The guy he's going after gets killed by a monster, and then it's just Conan trying to run away. How many more of these uh, volumes are they going to come out with? I don't know. Well, pr- presumably until they're done. Uh, although th- these are just the Conan stories. Uh, every Savage Sword of Conan had at least two stories. It was a Conan story and then another story based on something by Robert E. Howard. Uh, and so all of these supplementary stories, they've been spinning off into their own collections. There's a collection with all of these supplementary Solomon Kane stories. There's uh, two collections out currently with all the Cull the Conqueror stories. And although probably if they haven't done Red Sonia by now, I'm sure they will soon. They have. Oh, good. There's Red Sonias out there. I've seen them. So I'm I'm going to continue. I'm going to be buying these collections for quite some time. Although I really don't know how many more of the actual Conan collections uh, I'm going to pick up. Do you know, like during what years that series went on from? Uh, it was like the late '70s through the mid '80s. I think I want to say Volume Nine covers the stuff that came out around '83. Okay, so they're nearing the end. Presumably, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Is Dark Horse still doing a new Conan series, or did that stop? I think they are. I think that they've got the rights. So remember, uh, you got me one of those as a gift um, back in college, Jason. That was pretty cool. Had pretty good artwork in there. Yeah. All right. So, um, hope you enjoyed our discussion of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Oh, I do want to mention that I am going to be covering uh, LeakyCon when it comes to Portland. Woo! The end of June. So, what is that? A LeakyCon is a Harry Potter convention. Ooh, neat! And most of the time it's in London. I guess they have it in the United States lately, and this time around they're doing it in Portland, Oregon. It's the first time it's been in Portland. I think in the past it's been in places like Chicago. I'm sure there's a lot of, what you call it, was it the Wizard Rock band stuff? Mm-hmm. That's uh, there. Performers from Team Star Kids and Very Potter musical series. And the Joe Moses One Man Shows Us. I, I like that title. That's almost like what a what a, a snake oil salesman would have in his medicine show. Let's see, yeah, some of the bands. Right, this is one you talked about. Harry and the Potters are going to be there. Uh, the Whomping Willows are going to be there. Tonks, oh, cool. 
Tonks and the Aurors. Yeah. Ministry of Magic. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, a lot of things are going to be there, but that's going to be from June 27th through June um, 30th, I believe, 2013 in Portland, Oregon, LeakyCon. So, hey, if you're going to be there, why not say hello? Oh, and randomly, they're going to have actors from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Rent. That's odd. <laughs> I, like, I like Rent. <laughs> The movie or the the show, Broadway show? Well, both. The Anthony Rapp, the guy that was Mark, the TV, the guy who filmed stuff. Yeah, like it says, special guest. We uh, below will confirm special guest actors and creators from Harry Potter, The Hunger Games, Buffy, Rent, and more. So that's <laughs> just, just you know, you know, <laughs> tweens and Rent. Yeah, I don't know. That's I'll uh, be sort of interested. I'm curious. You, you always have, um, you know, actors from these things. And obviously, like, Daniel Radcliffe is not going to be there, but... So I'll be excited to go to that. I've never been to a Harry Potter convention. I think I'm going to dress up some some of the days. No, you should draw a lightning bolt on your head and pretend to be Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> um, no, I'm Daniel Radcliffe. I am, I am. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't hired because he already had the bolt. No, no, the, the Chris Columbus carved that into his head in the, on the set of the first film. <laughs> Very good. So, um, yeah, so next week we'll be doing Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Check out the website again at SequelCast.com. You can follow me on Twitter at SequelCast. You can follow me at Internet Mayor. And my Tumblr is Jaron's20, J-A-R-O-N-S, 20.tumblr.com. Uh, for the sequel cast, this is Matt. And Thrasher. And Jersey Jason. Same. We We're are all Dumbledore's Dumbledore. army. And I am Spartacus. Oh, terrible, terrible timing. <laughs> that's, that's, part of the, that's part of the fun. Terrible timing.